0: Opinions and suggestions expressed on the following program are solely those of the participants and are not necessarily endorsed by KRMG, Cox Media Group Incorporated, or the program sponsors. This following program is sponsored by Causeway LLC. Information in this broadcast is not intended as an investment, tax, or financial advice. Matthew Moore is not a licensed investment advisor and speaks solely from his experience and opinions. All information in this broadcast is for entertainment or educational purposes only. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and Cox Media Group Tulsa are not responsible for the success or failure of any person's investment decisions or purchases. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and Cox Media Group Tulsa makes no and expressly disclaims all representations, warranties, and guarantees with respect to this broadcast and its sponsors. Investing in any market is inherently risky and can be financially dangerous. Invest at your own risk. Gather knowledge in the world of cryptocurrency right now on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's news and talk. Welcome to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. Matthew is locally based right here in Tulsa. Questions, comments, concerns? Call 918-460-5764 or send us
1: an open mic using the KRMG app.
0: Now, here's Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore.
1: And good Sunday evening to you. My name is Russell Mills. Thanks for joining us. We're here every Sunday live and local in the big city of Tulsa. Oklahoma starting right about now a little after 5 p.m. Tulsa time and I'll tell you what we may live in little old Tulsa but we got our finger on the pulse of the world when it comes to cryptocurrencies and all that and that's because of this guy he is the namesake of the show and the the head cook in this kitchen Matthew J. Moore, hey Matt, hey, that's right. Every Sunday we cook up some
2: awesome content when it comes to the world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, and we always bring in some wonderful guests. And uh, you know, news is always a part of that because day after day, just like you and I both know, the world just keeps on moving forward, right? And uh, the same goes for the news in the world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So that's why, if you haven't figured out, that's why we do this show uh, to help you stay on top of every little detail. Or at least we try. It's kind of hard. But the only thing that is constant, as you might have heard, is change. And uh, one thing that's changing is that w- that we've seen throughout the years is undoubtedly the building pressure of cryptocurrency in the mainstream mindset. And today, joining me for another roundtable discussion about some hot topics are some of my favorite Tulsa Bitcoiners, chartered financial analyst Andrew Ryan and Bitcoin miner and founder of Nakamoto Partners, Charlie Spears. Gentlemen, welcome back to another show. Are you ready to vibe on another episode of Cryptocurrency with
3: Matt? It's good to be back. I'm glad to be here, Matt. Matt, thanks for having me here. Hey, that's
2: good. Well, you know, you guys always bring so many valuable insights. So, I, uh, I first and foremost, before we kick things off, I have, I have to apologize. I have not been, or actually, I've been MIA uh, at the tulsa bitcoin meetup so if you listen to this show and you've shown up to a bitcoin meetup i apologize i have not been there and it's not because of the bear market i promise it's not because i don't like these guys i just things just keep getting in the way so uh but speaking of the meetups how have the crowds been with uh bear market in full uh, full action
3: um i'm kind of surprised people s- still come to these things like <laughs> You know, the previous cycles, when Bitcoin was down, nobody would even look me in the eye. The eyes would glaze over. You know what? Now, we, uh, even though attendance is a little bit down, like... We have new faces every month. It's wild. It's That's exciting crazy. to do this.
4: It's been really strong, uh, Yeah, no matter what the price action is. Wow. Okay,
2: well, so as far as uh, November goes, do we have a Bitcoin meetup planned and we ready? We do.
3: It's November 15th, Welltown Brewery this time, 7 p.m., November 15th. That's next Tuesday. Um, this is just a hangout time, so we don't have a specific uh, subject. We may kind of do an overview of some of the high points, but... We're just going to hang out. At the bottom of a bear market, sometimes you just need to hold hands that's with right. all your friends Same and kumbaya, and, kumbaya <laughs> and that's what this. Yeah, and uh, yeah. If, if you want to buy drinks for everybody, uh, hit me up.
2: Oh, okay. So is is that uh, you're looking for a sponsor to buy drinks? <laughs>
3: We're looking for some generous individual or company, <laughs> <Right>. or yeah.
2: <laughs> all right, because I'm not ready to part with my Bitcoin yet. Um, <laughs> all right, well, guys, uh, first question I want to ask you, and yes, we'll bring up the the Bitcoin meetup uh, later on in the show. Just to remind everybody where they can uh, get plugged in. But uh, there's been a lot of news and developments. Uh, since we last spoke, and a few headlines being that, one, UK lawmakers recently voted to recognize Bitcoin and crypto assets as regulated financial instruments. Second, the cryptocurrency exchange Binance gave Elon Musk $500 million for his uh, Twitter acquisition. And I think FTX uh, was trying to put some money in there as well, but I don't know if that ever went through. Uh, And then a nonprofit known as coin center sues the u.s treasury over tornado cash sanctions and efforts to defend cryptocurrency privacy and uh, we'll most certainly dive uh, more into the elon twitter buy story along with the tornado cash because uh, i do think it's all relevant to the world of cryptocurrency but other than uh, you know these topics and headlines have you guys been following anything that's been uh, super interesting or caught your eye
3: it's, I mean, there's always something going on. Right now, um, in the world of mining, you've got uh, multiple public uh, Bitcoin miners who are on the verge of bankruptcy or already in bankruptcy process. Yeah. This is inevitable. Inevitable. This is part of this. This is part of the way things go. It's never easy to watch these big guys fall. So and I mean, I, yeah. I,
2: I've also heard that when that happens, that's usually a bottom signal.
3: Is it's, that? historically it has, uh, each cycle is different. So I would say, uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of both end. So maybe it's a bottom signal. I think the mining industry is going to develop its own cyclicality, kind of like oil and gas where you have right. you know, assets sell off, you have reaccumulation and then now the industry is more financialized. So I'm curious to see how this looks. That could be its whole episode.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah. and then, but on the other hand, uh, hash rate has hit an all time high, um, and that's, that's a, generally a positive thing, not something that Charlie necessarily wants to hear since he's in the business, but it just means that <laughs> there's a lot of competition. A lot of people are, are sticking yeah. their money. Might want to explain them. real quick well, what so, that means, um, hash rate. Whenever, uh, whenever there's more computers get online to uh, secure the Bitcoin network, the hash rate of the world's Bitcoin network goes up and it, it hit uh, all-time highs, I, I think, two weeks ago. And so even in this bear market, so that's... A, that's that's a positive right. signal. It's, it's it's
2: which involves the difficulty adjustment, right? Yes.
4: Yeah. Which when the when they're competing to
2: uh, solve the SHA two fifty six algorithm, uh, basically, uh, they have to exert more energy and computing power to do so.
3: Yeah. It just means that even though the price is down, you've still got Bitcoin miners building and coming online. It means that it's less profitable for everybody. This is how the system has worked, and it's a it's a survival of the fittest, and this will go on. In perpetuity, right? Well, Ryan. And, it,
4: and it forces people to find cheaper and cheaper uh, energy or wasted energy. So it's it's driving everyone for to uh, all the miners to better efficiency. In other words, we're going to watch how this cookie crumbles and see where
2: things land. But uh, ironically, this is episode 66. And no, we're not executing order 66 if you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, But uh, did you guys see that 66% of all Bitcoin has not moved uh, in over a year? And uh, to me... I mean, those are some diamond hands right there. Those are people who have some convictions, some true believers. Uh, I think this is a good test for uh, this current bear market for people who are holding Bitcoin. What do you guys say?
4: Well, I think when uh, when that many people, so so what Matt was saying is 66% of the Bitcoin has not moved in the last year. Um, what that's saying is that people are just uh, sticking tight. And historically, when you have such high uh, percentage of people doing that, uh, Typically, uh, bull markets follow a year or two after. So it's 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 a positive thing in my book.
3: Yeah, it's kind of like a line in the sand to say, well, you know, Bitcoin's price may do whatever, but there we've reached the kind of the terminal moment of the amount of people who are going to sell additionally. So um, I actually, you mentioned bottom signals. I think this is a more reliable bottom signal is right. whenever we reach the... Um, you know, highest percent of Bitcoin that is not moved. And we can view this on chain. We can see this Bitcoin ain't been moved for, you know, a year or two. Right.
4: The flip side, in 2018, it looked like Bitcoin was finding a bottom around 6000 and then it collapsed uh, to almost half that. So, I mean, Bitcoin loves to make fools of every prediction. (laughs) Well, these are what we call
2: hodlers, people who are holding on for dear life, uh, people who have conviction. And what I find interesting about the bull and bear market cycle of Bitcoin uh, and its overall adoption is – Oftentimes, people will come for the gains, right? They'll speculate. They're like, oh, I want to make a lot of money. I heard this thing's going up nonstop. And then those who, well, you could call bravery, you could call consistency, or you could just have general curiosity. They start to learn about Bitcoin, its value proposition, and what it's really doing and and why there's so many enthusiastic uh, people like me, like Charlie and like Andrew. Like, you know, why are we sticking around? Why is 66% uh, of all Bitcoin – you know, staying put, like just staying in cold storage in their wallets, not being moved on, onto exchanges. Well, these people believe in the future of what's taking place, of where this asset is going, what the technology has. So, uh, guys, uh, would you – you think that's a, a correct assumption there that people have come for the gains? They got introduced to it. Maybe – I don't know how many of these or if there's a way of telling, but uh, if these are, these are all new or if these are just people who have been in for a long time.
3: Um, Historically, I would say it's been the people who came for the games and stayed because they got into the the purpose and the ideology. What's interesting now is we have a different macroeconomic landscape. You now have normal people who look out and they say, there is nothing that's investable right now. Where do I put my money? And so almost out of desperation— Uh, they're willing to explore new things. And now it is common for the average person to talk about inflation. Right.
2: Well, we got to close. We got to go to a uh, break here and uh, we'll be right back. We got more great content, more conversations
1: to cover when we come back on cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. And one of the reasons many people may be holding on to it is there's a difference between price and value. Cogitate on that while we go to a quick break. You're listening to cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore on one Oh, two, three. KRMG. Oh, welcome back to cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. Today it's a panel discussion, and we're talking about you know, change is inevitable. Change is the one constant that we can always count on, and things are changing. The world of crypto is, is invading what many people would think of as the real world more and more, becoming a bigger and bigger thing. So the discussion today is centering on how is society sort of adapting to all that, and does it really have a choice? And that includes our Department of Justice. Our host is Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt.
2: Hey, Russell, that's right. Those are all facts there. Things are changing, and uh, I just want to welcome you guys back, because we've been having a great conversation, and uh, we have more in store for these next few segments. So please stick around but but I just want to remind you we, we've been doing this for quite some time now as far as the radio show goes and we're one of the few radio shows in America if not the world that's actually doing this and yes, we post these as podcasts as well so if you miss them, well, we, we've got you covered you can find them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts, KRMG.com, YouTube I mean, I really try to get it out there as much as I can so we've got you covered don't worry, you can always go back listen to this show and other ones uh, and today... In studio are my good friends and they're here for another uh, roundtable discussion and it's none other than chartered financial analyst Andrew Ryan and Bitcoin miner, founder of Nakamoto Partners, Charlie Spears. Boys, it's good to have you back. Uh, Are you guys ready to kind of explore this Elon Musk and Tornado Cash story here shortly?
3: Let's open up Pandora's box. Yes, do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know it's uh, it's going to be crazy. But uh, I do, I do. Before we dive into that and get into the nitty gritty, I have to give our sponsor a shout out because uh, yes, this show is made possible by our wonderful sponsor called Hedge or Get Hedge. You can have a strategy, or do you have a strategy? I have a strategy. Charlie has a strategy. Andrew has a strategy. But do you have a strategy to obtain cryptocurrency on a regular basis? Do you plan to automate your dollar cost averaging? What about getting all or part of your paycheck in Bitcoin? Hedge is revolutionizing how you get paid and Hedge makes it easy to automatically convert your pay into crypto. Whether you're an employer or employee, you can get started in four easy steps. Start getting paid in Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Litecoin. Crypto is a long-term play, so start a strategy today. That was That's uh, what I'm doing. Hedge is here to make it easy to stack those Sats month after month. So what are you waiting for? Start living on the hedge. Go check them out at gethedge.io. Again, that is gethedge.io. And here is how you can qualify once again for a $200 Bitcoin giveaway. That's right, you heard that right. $200 worth of Bitcoin. We're giving away. Once again, and whether you're listening live or later on the podcast, you can still qualify to win. If you go to my website, mattjmore.com, scroll down to that resource section and you'll see a button that says Get Hedge. Go ahead and click that. Sign up for hedge and start having a portion of your paycheck allocated into Bitcoin. It can be as little or as much as you want. But the catch is... You have to start using Hedge. Uh, not just sign up for it, but you got to use it. Uh, using Hedge is cool because you can skip the exchange experience altogether and have your crypto sent to any self custody wallet that you want. So uh, if you got questions, you can always send me a message on my website. I'd be more than happy to uh, answer those for you. It's really, really easy. And we're going to be drawing a winner again here real soon. So uh, go to my website, mattjmore.com. All right. Well, guys, Andrew, Charlie, let's get this thing back on the road by now. Everybody, I mean everybody, has heard that uh, Elon Musk now has bought Twitter now and uh, he's maybe got some plans in the works. But uh, what do you guys think this means for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency at large? Because I say this or I ask this question uh, because we know that Elon has joked or has been a big fan. We don't know if he's really joking or if he's serious about Dogecoin. Uh, We know that he holds Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Uh, there's been talk about using cryptocurrency as a tipping feature, uh, along with some other additional items. And Binance, a big cryptocurrency exchange, uh, gave $500 million to Elon to aid in this purchase. Uh, we also know that um, you know, this, this could be interesting for the, the crypto space. A lot of crypto people and Bitcoin people are talking about it. Do you guys have an opinion on this? Does this, does this bow well for, for Bitcoin?
4: Well, I think the original uh, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, he's a strong right. B- Bitcoiner, and he is and he is one. He continues to be. I'm not sure if Elon Musk really understands right. Bitcoin as much as that. I mean, he's a oh, smart yeah. he's a smart guy, but uh, I don't think I don't know if he gets it. And, and the joking about Doge, Dogecoin is a little concerning to me.
2: But do you think? Do, my, my question here, though, is I know Jack Dorsey definitely he's left Twitter to focus on Bitcoin, which is really really cool but when he left you know he obviously left it in he left twitter with different leadership and the question is do you think elon has more priority for the crypto space than maybe the current executives that left
4: i'm sure i'm sure he does cuz i don't think they were making it a big a big uh, feature of uh, twitter and twitter has some there's some great possibilities of how they could use uh, bitcoin and the lightning network to improve the experience
3: yeah, you know, Jack had actually kind of checked out from active management of Twitter even long before he installed Parage. Right, And so his exit really, I don't think, means a whole lot. The um, What's different about Elon is that uh, this is a guy, I think he's kind of firing from, from the hip in all things here, right. outside of launching rockets. So I don't think he's got a super coherent plan, but what's happening is he's a man of action, which is something to be said because that means he's going to insist that Twitter, which is a pretty legacy, right. I would say languishing platform, and my most used platform, by the way, Me too. Um, I think he would probably uh, drive a lot change forward. I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, think about it. Elon comes from the PayPal mafia. This is a guy who, before he launched all his stuff we know him for today, he uh, basically bootstrapped an entirely new payments network to the world. Right. Um, Twitter, interestingly enough, you know, might harmonize or synthesize with that because it allows um, kind of a front-facing right. user profile to be interlinked. And so imagine if you use cryptocurrencies, which have instant, immediate, on-chain settlement, um, and you leverage that into a social network natively. Um, I think there's so many possibilities that are unlocked there. I get really excited about that, Um I will see what Twitter evolves into or if it actually materially changes, except I would just expect new features to be pushed much right. faster than before. And I hope that some of those are Bitcoin and crypto related.
2: Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think PayPal, uh, they had an, uh, their original mission was something similar to what Bitcoin was is achieving. Is that true?
3: Kind of, you know, PayPal changed. has been a big payments network. I, I will say, you know, there there's a famous photo from 2011 at the first Bitcoin conference. It wasn't a Bitcoin conference. It was, a, it was like a tech conference. Right. And there was a Bitcoin booth next to a PayPal right. large, like, stage. And there was a lot of, like, um, trash talking from the PayPal people. And so that has kind of, c- you know, cemented it in our minds. And we look at how PayPal works and we see it as... Um, a very effective international payments network, right? But if you, I mean, it it does not compare at all to the right. final settlement assurances of Bitcoin.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, and anybody who you know tries to compare it, which I'm not, I'm just <coughs> saying that I'm just saying the intentions, you know, may have been unique. But you know, when you when you're running something like PayPal that's centralized, yes, you're going to bend the knee to the government. You know, you're not going to be allowed to do certain things. Yeah.
4: So, well, and you and you have to,
2: yeah. if you want to stay in business, right. Right. Well, we've got one minute before we got to go to break. But uh, uh, before we do, uh, I just want to make mention, you know, uh, we got a lot to cover about this tornado cash story in the DOJ and the US Treasury. Uh, What well, how is this all going to unfold? What does this mean for privacy, fungibility in the in the space of cryptocurrencies? Um, and uh, and I think I think the way this evolves is going to be interesting because we know there's been some talk and some understanding of past rulings from the Supreme Court about open source code and free speech. So, does that apply to the world of blockchain technology, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency? Well, we're going to talk more about that when we come back.
1: So stay put. Quick time out for the news, and we will be back with more crypto. Currency with Matthew J. Moore. You're listening to 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk.
2: You were, you were going to take it. Go ahead. My mic's on. Oh, my mic's oh, on now. No, it's so. on. So I was
1: dealing with a phone call about a situation that uh, well, we're, we're not going to put them on the air, but it was an interesting call and something I'm going to look into. Meanwhile, welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. Sorry I was late getting back in here, but you know, when a listener takes the time to call, we do our very best to address their concerns or questions. In any case, it's been a really interesting conversation, and there's more here, and I'm, I'm dying to hear what you guys have to say about this next thing. So here is our host and the namesake of the show, Matthew J. Morris. Hey, well,
2: thank you, Russell. Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, we we have a, a lot of stuff to cover on this show, and uh, so we're going to be sensitive on time here. but. Uh, If you have been with us the last few segments, we've been chatting with Bitcoin miner Charlie Spears uh, from Nakamoto Partners and chartered financial analyst Andrew Ryan, and uh, we've been having fun kind of exploring some recent headlines and ideas, but guys, we're going to pick it back up uh, here. Uh, Another idea that's in the minds of many is this idea of fungibility in the world of cryptocurrency. Uh, Right now, we have a world where no matter how a dollar bill is used, it's not only... You know, it's it's never, honestly, it's never going to be flagged or, or blacklisted uh, because it was used previously in some unlawful manner. In fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but most dollar bills have traces of cocaine on them, um, but a dollar is still a dollar. You know, it's a key feature of, of currency, um, and, and the goal is— To also have Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies do the same, Uh, there are privacy coins, obviously, things like Monero, uh, that function in such a way that fungibility is preserved and and it can become uh, much harder to blacklist coins themselves or even wallet addresses. Uh, Now, don't get me wrong. Bitcoin is still censorship resistant. It can't be stopped. But... It is possible to trace back how Bitcoins were used, unlike dollar bills. That's why I think it's stupid if criminals use Bitcoin for any illicit activities. Um, and uh, with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, you know, it's it's harder to prevent blacklisting if you have an open ledger, transparent ledger of transactions. So can you guys lay the groundwork for the audience on why it's harder to prevent this from happening to bitcoin?
4: Well, let's talk about Bitcoin real quick. Every every Bitcoin or fraction of a Bitcoin that you own, you can on on the uh, on chain you can trace back all the way every transaction until the day it was created uh, in the in a mining block. So, right. um, in that sense, it's very open, and that's why criminals use uh, things like Bitcoin uh, a lot less than they used to because. Um, It's it's really is just an open book. They were getting caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were going to jail because of it.
2: Which is which the concern is is that if let if I hold some Bitcoin that maybe somebody used way back in the day in the Silk Road you know stuff uh, with the illicit activities buying and selling of whether it be drugs or some other illegal thing, well it wasn't my problem that I acquired some Bitcoin that maybe got used in that situation. So why, why should I be punished? Because now I hold it, you know, but, um, go Charlie, you, yeah, you're well, obviously thinking here a lot. Yeah.
3: This is, this is a really hard topic to really parse out because, um, it asks you that you got to get technical and I'll, I will not get technical, but you're talking about it's, UTXOs and it's stuff? about yeah. unspent transaction yeah. outputs. Cause like you don't actually have X Bitcoins right. in your wallet. Right you actually have an entry in a ledger which has a series of in and outs. Right. So the Bitcoin, you can argue, doesn't actually exist. Now, don't take that line from this But there's a picture of it right in the right. newspaper, yeah, it, <laughs> Charlie. Yeah. There's a, it's, a, it's a gold <laughs> coin. And so it, it's interesting because it's like, so does this entry or these series of entries portions of which do link to my Bitcoin. Like, where's that? So this is where the fungibility gets – it gets really hard. And this is like we don't have the language even at the regulatory level to even understand what's happening. Even a lot of Bitcoiners don't actually know what's happening. Uh, Quite frankly, I don't like to speak on UTXOs because it's kind of arcane and a bit hard to explain.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, we haven't done an episode on UTXOs, and and I think it it would do us justice if we did, but I do have to – warn you if you're listening to this episode or in in future ones when we talk about UTXOs it's going to be a lot to wrap your mind around so you may have to you know be sensitive on that but we when we do this show we try to do it from a 30,000 foot view so that way if somebody's listening to this program and they're new to this space it's easier for them to conceptualize what's going on in this this new world but in the world of Bitcoin and and cryptocurrencies we have things like mixers or coin joins that help with the fungibility issue. Can you guys explain the difference to the audience? Uh, you know, w- what what's the difference between these two? Can they be stopped? Can they be prevented if I were to use one of these? And the reason why I ask this is because this is all related to the tornado cash story, which has been in the news. And it's not entirely – It's you know, tornado cash is not entirely – you could classify as a mixer like Wasabi due to how it functions or works, but it seems that the U.S. Treasury and the DOJ have gone after Tornado Cash. So what is the story here? Why is it important? Charlie, I know you know a lot about this.
3: Yeah, so there's a bunch of different ways you can send Bitcoin on-chain or off-chain, and there's a bunch of different tools because it's programmable money, basically, to do cool things, and we can hide transactions and make them private. A coin join basically takes you and, say, 10 other people's Uh, transactions, mix them all up and spits them all back to you. And we can't tell who's who. So you have plausible deniability and it's just hard to attribute, you know, that coin to that person. A mixer is like, um, like I were to hand you a Bitcoin and Russell were to hand you a Bitcoin. And then you were to hand us each other's Bitcoin or a Bitcoin back um, when that transaction may not even take place on chain. So that's like, um, that's, it's very hard to actually observe that happening uh, so you could just own another Bitcoin over here, which is unrelated to everything else. So that's what a mixer is. Tornado Cash was a; it's more of a coin join. So you saw money coming in, coming in. You saw money coming out, and you didn't know who's was whose. Right.
4: And this and this is this is a smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain right. for clear. Ethereum
3: assets or for tokens yes,
4: but, built on Ethereum. Right? Uh, tornado Cash.
3: Yes. Yeah. A mixer is a more centralized entity, and a coin join could be so, a smart contract on-chain like Tornado Cash was. Smart tornado Cash is not run by a company. It's literally a, a program that runs on Ethereum that cannot be shut down. You can shut down the front-end website, right. but anyone Based can— Based on where it's hosted, right? Uh, the website you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, the yeah. The website exists on a server somewhere. Yeah. The contract exists on the Ethereum network. So in order to stop Ethereum network, in order, in order to stop Tornado Cash— um, you'd have to shut down Ethereum, which is very challenging.
2: Now, but with Ethereum, wasn't, you know, because one of the debates between Bitcoiners and Ethereums is obviously that Bitcoin is is more decentralized. And wasn't there talk about, you know, Amazon web servers hosting, you know, that were tangled with Ethereum and there was ideas with how Ethereum could be shut down because of that?
4: Well, the, 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 the issue is that a Bitcoin node is a lot lighter than a Ethereum node. Ethereum yeah, node no, is,
2: nobody is, could run an Ethereum node by themselves.
4: I I I pretty much agree.
3: You got to be kind of a computer geek, and it. I mean, we'll see how that develops. Uh, the thing is, is that uh, this kind of thing, this kind of censorship on chain, it can actually happen on Bitcoin too. It's a little bit harder, and the reason why the switch or transition from proof of work to proof of stake on Ethereum saw such a rise in this is not that it wasn't happening before, because it actually happened. The censorship and the block producer level happened before, but when um, the, the in proof of stake, the validators and block producers are the same entity, right? And so it, the kind of the, the the friction and the challenge to and the incentive changes. And so you're more incentivized to build the blocks that you want. Again, this idea of building a block or producing a block is a bit abstract, but that's what a miner is. That's a validator is these are what the blockchain then adds to the blockchain.
2: Well, and okay, so you going back to the tornado cash story, um, you made some comment about how we, you know, and I feel that it's unjust for somebody who developed some code, right? Released out into the wild and make the analogy that you made off air when we were talking. Unless
3: you oh man, I forget. It's so it's you know there it's like you uh, so the Netherlands uh, uh, arrested and uh, it currently imprisons a developer who wrote code and uh, published that code and that code was then used to build Tornado Cash. That person did not run Tornado Cash. Right. That person. It's like you, Matt, wrote a book or an essay and. Hand it to someone else, and that person published it, and now you are imprisoned. So right. that's where I personally draw a very thick line in the sand and say, "I think that's wrong."
2: So, so if we would have dumb it down, would it be the equivalent of somebody, let's say, forging a sword, and then that sword got sold somewhere, and somebody used that sword to kill somebody? Eh,
3: <laughs> c- well, it's, it's hard. <laughs> the thing is, the analogies break down I when you get to real life. What do. do you? Well, you had a you had a good take, Andrew.
4: Well, I mean, from and then from the U.S. side. Um, this tornado cache is interesting because it's open source, and and this kind of reflects uh, what uh, was going on about 25 years ago. Um, There's a a cryptography program called PGP, and and the Clinton administration in the mid-'90s wanted to shut this down. It was just open source code, and um, they st- it started working its way through the U.S. court system, and judges were uh, deciding that code is speech, and speech is, is protected by the First Amendment. Right. Um, it didn't ever make it to the Supreme Court, but it uh, it scared off the administration enough that they backed off. And I think that's the which, the, the, the DOJ is back in the same spot they were 25 years
2: which ago, which is interesting because if if that applies, also that that should, in my opinion, apply to things like Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies because. Many times these are just open source codes released into the wild. People start running nodes, you know, running the software, using the software. Um, and so, you know, the U S government has been slapped currently with some lawsuits due to their actions in this situation. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out.
3: Yeah. Um, I generally say code is speech again. You know, what is free speech is a very abstract thing. We argue about it. We lose our minds over, um, you know, what it actually is. Um, it, what's funny is what Andrew said is this the PGP, the encryption wars, the cryptography wars of the '90s? That is one of the defining uh, historical points right. leading up to the cypherpunk movement, out of which Bitcoin was born. So, is this the 2.0 of that? You think this is just the continuation? Yeah. It's a con- privacy and free speech and autonomy is a constant right. battle, and it's. Uh, it's uh it's yeah it's and and it's, it's not, not something easy. we achieve it's something privacy
1: versus do. security yeah. you know and and that that's not just our financial systems that's our neighborhoods our yeah. schools our you know our homes it's a tough balancing act and and it's not going to be any easier just cuz it's all you know ones and zeros out there on on the internet it's it's still impacts real people living real lives right. every day right so hey we got to take a quick time out It seems like a good point to pause and remind you that you are listening to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's news and talk. And we got more to tell, just stick around. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. And this has been an interesting, interesting conversation. Got a panel here. Includes our certified financial analyst. Am I getting that right? You're a CFA.
4: Yeah, yes, yeah,
1: CFA. Certified financial analyst. Sometimes I mix up my uh, my letters. Anyway, uh, Andrew Ryan's here. Uh, Charlie Spears with Nakamoto Industries, who uh, founder and uh, who is a Bitcoin mining expert. And then the guy. Who puts it all together and shows up every week with a fantastic outline and lots of stuff to discuss, and his his guests even give him kudos for for being so well prepared. And our host Matthew J. Moore. Yes, some people say I should have been
2: a Boy Scout because I'm always very well prepared, um, but but that's just who I am. I'm shocked to hear that you weren't. I frankly. wasn't honestly, um, but uh, it was mostly. I mean, no no offense to the Boy Scouts. I think what they do is great, but uh, I just I just never wanted to wear the uniform. So uh, it's that's not a good call. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> it didn't look good on me. Um, or, or wouldn't. Um, anyways, uh, maybe if it was Camel, I might have done it, you know, but we'll we'll, we'll uh, talk about that for another episode. Um, all right, guys, let's get this back on the, on the road. Uh, it's been really fun, and I uh, just want to thank you guys for coming in to, to chit-chat. Uh, we've been talking about a lot of different things. Uh, we're currently in the bear market, a lot of bottom signals possibly, and uh, a lot of people holding on to their Bitcoin. But it seems that narratives often drive things quite a bit uh, when it comes to bull market markets. Uh, in your opinion, um, what do you think about this next bull market? Do you think the narrative, you know, might be something a little different? You know, will it be maybe inflation? Because uh, inflation was a big part of the the last one. Um, and uh, maybe censorship resistant money might be another one. So I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Is it both? Is it something else? Am I off here?
4: Well, uh, I'll, I'll give a warning that um, I'm perpetually bullish about Bitcoin. Um So, what I would say is in 2021, we saw the First Nation uh, make Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador. Um, My little pet theory is that uh, maybe next year, the year after, we'll hear about a a G20 central bank that's been, uh, they'll disclose that they've been buying Bitcoin for the last two years. Right. And that will set a fire underneath things. I I just think that's going to be the next uh, thing, next thing to fall. Any
1: predictions on which country? I'm going to put you on the spot, Andrew.
4: Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a a European or Asian, uh, you know, not, not a big central bank, but a smaller country, but somebody's
1: going to have to be forward thinking for sure.
4: Yeah. Well, and, and you think someone is there, there, someone is out there, a banker is thinking we need to hedge our risk and buy Bitcoin because not having any is too risky. And, uh, I just, I just think that's it's, it's, well, a, it's a game theory, and I think it's going to play out in the next few years.
2: Well, what's interesting is I, I think that's probably a correct theory because you know when you look at these different bear mar- or these different bull markets, the you know we've had them defined by consumers, then we've had institutions start to get in, corporations start putting on their balance sheet, um, and so maybe you know the next bull market is by governments or central banks putting Bitcoin on their balance sheets. So this could be a trend.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I think we'll see over the coming years, we've seen little hints of this, that money and capital itself becomes politicized. Right. Um, and it will attempt to frame Bitcoin as a political type of money. But I think Bitcoin will time and time again demonstrate itself as the most apolitical money. And then also, uh, again, because I I think from a miner's perspective, the world is now transitioning away from speculative uh, uh, kind of capital to more cash flow infrastructure uh, investment. And what is the most infrastructure and cash flow uh, direct type of business? And that's Bitcoin mining.
2: Well, let me add this, too. There's been a lot of criticism about Bitcoin's volatility. But to be honest, over the last six months to a year, I mean— Bitcoin's volatility compared to everything else really hasn't been that bad. Well, what are your thoughts on that, Andrew?
4: Well, it, it means it'll probably break hard one way or another soon. Um, but yeah, its, it's, it's volatility has been lower than the S&P 500 last right. last 60 days or so. So it's I
3: mean, even so past five—no, uh, this year to date, you have uh, tons of massive tech companies. Lyft, Meta, Uber, uh, DoorDash, Peloton, those of all— Downperformed Bitcoin dramatically. Bitcoin has outperformed those all of those companies by about a hundred percent. Even even world currencies. Yeah, the world. <laughs> I mean, look at this. Yeah, it's uh. Look at the Turkish lira. I think we're so confined to our U.S. centric mindset that we can't look outside the country and say, okay, yeah, stuff's hitting the fan here domestically, but it's hitting even worse outside of the country. And like your dollar milkshake right, uh, theory, theory episode, episode yeah. which I recommend everybody goes and listens to. Yeah, that plays out. And a lot of people just can't think, well, what comes next? I mean, why is that happening? Should would be concerned? Certainly we're fine comparatively now, but uh, this is an issue for the rest of the world. Bitcoin doesn't have to beat the dollar. Because it's already beaten half the world's currencies. Right.
2: Well, and uh, guys, I, I, I really would love to dive in that more, but we only have a couple more minutes. But for the people who are listening uh, to this show who want to get plugged into the Bitcoin community here in Tulsa, remind everybody one more time how they can attend the next Bitcoin meetup, how they can get plugged in.
3: November 15th, next week at 7 p.m. at Welltown. We're getting together, and um, hit us up on the social media. There's a group that that kind of coordinates it, the Tulsa DAO, Tulsa DAO on Instagram, Tulsa DAO on Twitter, meetup.com, Tulsa Bitcoin Meetup, and the Facebook group, Andrew.
4: Tulsa Bitcoin Meetup. So I I want to just say real quick, everyone who's listening to this, if you have zero Bitcoin, that's very risky. Do something about it. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, you can actually give financial advice, Right. Uh, no. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. By the way, that's not, right that not financial advice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just my personal opinion.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Well, guys, this has been great. And uh, also, you can always go to my website, mattjmore.com. That's more with two O's. I also have a Tulsa section there. You can check those links. Uh, get plugged in. Send me a message. We'd love to chat.
1: One more reminder. November 15th is the next Tulsa Bitcoin Meetup. The Welltown Brewery is located at 115 West Archer. right downtown in the historic uh, Brady District. And uh, thanks, guys. Great panel, great discussion. And we'll be back at it next week, live and local. Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore on 1023 KRMG.